Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's that conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am joined by my Keyforge crew, the people that I play Keyforge with as often as humanly possible, even though due to some air conditioning here in Vancouver, we weren't able to play our socially distanced, responsible outdoor game this past weekend. It's the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, y'all. What's going on? And Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake? Hey, hey, what's going on? And this week, we're going to be talking about combos in Mass Mutation Keyforge. Um, combos, of course, an important part of Keyforge. One of the things that we talk about all the time on this show is the fact that almost the strength of every single card in the entire game is always dependent on what other cards surround it. What other cards are in your deck? But of course, there are some combos that rise to the top as being desirable when you open up a deck that when you see them, you go, that's cool. I want that because it can do something special that maybe doesn't exist in other decks. And we're going to be talking all about that today. Are you guys psyched for this? I am. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I know this might just be because it's the fresh set, but I feel like I'm still finding more and more complex and intriguing combos the more mass mutation I play. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I definitely am starting to feel that, uh, well, mainly because of one of the cards I'm going to talk about today. I've just discovered that there's certain archetype of deck that I really like to play, and I'm mm -hmm. starting to realize it as a result of playing these mass mutation decks. It's kind of reaffirming something I already had, but uh, as it fell in the Star Alliance side of things quite strongly in the last set, uh, seeing it now emerge in other houses now is is making me really understand the way I like to play Keyforge and the type of decks that I get the most enjoyment from. Cool. Rick, you play more Keyforge than me and Blake and possibly me and Blake put together. You play every single day, multiple games. I got to ask, are you playing games where you see your opponents pull out combos you've never seen before still this far into the set being out? Because I don't really see combos at first glance, I'm still seeing some stuff from MM that I have not seen. Yeah, I feel like it's a very, like, the complexity of the set really does lend itself to these sort of, like, discoveries that continue to happen the more you play. Perhaps even more so than Worlds Collide, which I think was a very combo-reliant set, um, especially in certain houses like Star Alliance and Saurian. But before we get to talking about some of our favorite combos that we've come across, I've got one of our classic segments. It's one that we've done dozens of times here on this podcast. I'm really happy to bring it back since we've got Rick here with us this week. We're going to do a little Would You Rather, two artifacts, two Saurian artifacts right here in Mass hmm. Mutation Keyforge. Both have a similar effect, but with a slight difference. So the question is, City Gates is an artifact which has the power action. A friendly creature captures one. If that creature is a dinosaur, it captures two instead. Monument to Octavia is an artifact, which has action. A friendly creature captures one. If Cornican Octavia is in your discard pile, that creature captures two instead. Gentlemen, which one of these cards would you rather have in your deck? Blake. Um, I don't really care for either. Like, doesn't make a difference to me, really. They're, it's like massive manos, really. Like, I don't think it actually makes a difference at all. I, I would say, because the argument clearly is, one, you're always getting two, but you always have to put on a dinosaur. The other one is you're getting uh, one or two dependent on if you have the Octavia in your discard or not, mm -hmm. but you can place it anywhere you want. Uh, I don't... I mean, if, if Senator... Yeah, I don't even know. I, it doesn't matter to me, really. <laughs> I, I could... 
I'll take or leave either one, to be honest. But um, I guess one last thought with it would be if you have the monument, that means you also have Cornicon Octavia, which is a, another great Ember Control card. So uh, just for the sake of that, I'm going to go for the monument. Fair argument. Rick, any thoughts on this? Actually, as Blake was talking, I was thinking of going with City Gates, but with what he just said at the end there, I'm going to go with as long as well as him monument. It's a it's a good uh, argument. It's certainly a good argument that I think probably gives it the edge. Um, I was going to argue monument to Octavia as well because I've often found that uh, you know with uh, city gates either you don't have the dinos out or whatever, but with monument to Octavia being able to even if like you have Octavia in hand, being able to pitch out Monu- or Octavia so that you can then use Monument to Octavia to its full potential I think is kind of interesting and being able to put that two amber anywhere like if you've got like a, a really armored uh, 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 non-dinosaur creature or something like that that's really cool and helpful so I mean I, I kind of agree with Blake that it's a six one half dozen the other but uh, Monument Octavia I think by Blake's reasoning probably has the edge uh, I saw a very interesting combo today with Monument to Octavia. One so interesting that I actually had to sit down and think about whether or not it actually works in the game of Keyforge, or whether it was an error in the way the game is put or the way the game is programmed on TCO. So here's how this went down. I was playing a game today. Rick, you were watching this game. Yeah, I came in just before this happened. Yeah. So Monument to Octavia sitting there on my opponent's uh, artifact line. They use Animator, which is the uh, Logos artifact that makes a uh, artifact into a creature to make Monument to Octavia a creature for the remainder of the turn, used Monument to Octavia's action to capture two Amber from me, and then at the end of the turn, it went back to being an artifact. Now, as we all know in Keyforge, Amber that l- gets uh, taken off of an artifact that's destroyed doesn't go into your pool if you're the opposing player. It just goes back into the common pool. Like, it's it's gone. It's disappeared. So literally, every turn this guy called Logos, he was able to take me down to Amber as long as Octavia was in his discard pile. It was a pretty sick combo. Yeah, yeah it's pretty it, cool. It, it confused me for a while. It confused me, too, just because I was like, I don't even know if this makes sense. What happens to things that are on a creature... If they're only a creature till the end of your turn and then they go back to being an artifact, do upgrades stay on? I, I don't know. I'd be interested in seeing some rulings around this, but I suspect it's working as intended. With that said, let's get into some combo talk about some stuff that we have in our decks. I want to start things off by going directly to Blake. Blake, you play a lot of Keyforge, play a lot of it on stream. You try out a lot of different decks. You're an experimentalist. Try out lots of different stuff to see, and then you discover the decks as they go along. I'm very curious to hear about what combos you've discovered. Why don't you hit us with one? So the first one I'm going to go with is uh, it actually has like a, a two-parter to it. And it's revolving around the card from Dece, which is an artifact called Essence Scale. And I happen to be blessed with a three Essence Scale deck, which just does some silly things. And it makes me absolutely love this card so much. It's got that kind of transporter platform upgrade star alliance worlds collide feel to it in a way which is really cool for me uh, and so for those who are not familiar with essence scale it has an action ability that says destroy a friendly creature if you do ready and use a friendly creature that shares a house with the destroyed creature so i have two combos with this the first one is what i'm going to call the classic blake combo <laughs> and that is using this to get rid of one of the 
star alliance creatures that i do not care much for uh more often than not it is going to be um tink uh, tra- uh, teleporter chief tink because uh, that card i find is you know not the greatest sometimes i actually use tink with this to then be able to use it to use another creature that maybe didn't have one i could destroy so it has that kind of fun aspect as well but i'm basically getting rid of one of my star alliance creatures to get to use subject Kirby, which will then let me cycle my hand a little bit. Cause I find when I have the essence scale set up, I like to just keep calling dis. So Kirby allows me to have a little bit of cycle of some creatures in my hand to get them on board, which can actually further fuel the essence cycle plays moving forward, because now you have more creatures in a house you may need uh, to use them and abuse that essence scale side of things. So it's a, it's a really fun way of getting to use star Alliance cards and just uh, keeping that, that train of of uh, house cheating going on, which I absolutely love. That is a great combo. And there is a lot of super sick stuff that you can do with Essence Scale. Uh, you know, using it with things like Invidious to get multiple, like, creature steals per turn. Um, using it for clinch amber control with things like... Um, uh, uh, what's the um, the guy from AOA who, when he has damage on him, increases key cost? Anguish? Anguish, yeah. Using it with Anguish to be able to like drop an Anguish and then get to use that Anguish to fight yeah. and get Amber Control that same turn. All kinds of good stuff there. Rick, why don't you hit us with a combo you like? Uh, I took a while to find this one, but I've got a deck with Dark Harbinger. It's three mutation actions plus Song of the Wild. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I just, I love that combo because it's so bursty. Dark Harbinger reads, after you play an untamed action card, ready Dark Harbinger. So I would play Dark Harbinger, then play Song of the Wild, then play its mutations, which Mutation of Instinct is an Amber Pip. Play until the start of your next turn, a creature gains Skirmish and the Mutant trait. Mutation of Fury is Amber Pip. Play until the start of your next turn, a creature gains Assault 3 and the Mutant trait. And then Mutation of Cunning, Amber Pip. Play until the start of the next turn. A creature gains elusive and the neck and the mutant trait. So just all of those, and it, putting it on whatever other untamed creatures that you can get. It's bursty. It helps you possibly take out other creatures on their side. I just love it. Yeah, it's weird because you you bring up a great point, Rick, which is the fact that there's more utility in the combo than just a huge burst. Like if you keep hitting the uh, because every time you play one of those those mutations with Song of the Wild, you get the potential to reap with your Dark Harbinger for yeah. like so you can get like a key's worth of amber very easily with that combo. You know, reap once hit the, you know, combo, reap twice, reap three times, you know, and get, you know, two amber for each reap. But then also on top of that, having the potential to like be able to make a creature uh, elusive, being able to give a creature skirmish. Those are things that like on top of it are really amazing. So it's, it's a very versatile combo in a way that I think that I, I don't even think about it in those terms. I just look at the big burst and then suddenly you realize, oh, this actually has some utility for me as well, especially if I've got a big fighty creature on the table that I want to use to take out an enemy target. Yeah, that one's popped on my radar as, as well and I just don't have a super amazing uh, Harbinger Song of the Wild deck. I only have one Harbinger deck, period. So uh, that's something I want to get a couple more of and really see the the true potential that it holds. I, I feel like it's also one of those things where it's like, I, I'm going to be talking a little bit about another very bursty untamed combo in a little bit, but it's one of those things where I feel like 
one of the things that was genuinely missing from Untamed that was part of their identity as a house for for like the first set was their classic burst. And it's kind of back in mass mutation. And that's really interesting because I think that it's given a new lease on life to a lot of Untamed decks where yes. on the like the last, you know, in, in, in Worlds Collide, I wasn't that excited about uh, Untamed at all. So very exciting. Yeah, for sure. Let me hit you with a combo that is one of the first ones that I discovered in my decks and one that I love so very much. Um, it is a Star Alliance combo that goes like this. It is anti-Tony or anti-Oni or anti-one-one-Oni. I just call him anti-Tony. Uh, he's a six-power robot creature. He has the playability of capture all your opponent's amber. At the end of your turn, move one amber from uh, anti-Tony to your opponent's pool. So pretty cool power in and of itself. It's clutch amber control. It's going to make sure that your opponent doesn't forge a key. But when you mix it up with transporter platform, which, of course, as we all know, is the Star Alliance artifact that has action, return a friendly creature, and each upgrade attached to it to their owner's hand. Suddenly, you've got recurring capture all your opponent's amber, and it forces your opponent to take care of anti-Tony because if they don't, then essentially every single turn, you can use Transporter Platform to bring anti-Tony back to your hand and play him down again to capture all your opponent's amber. They have to deal with him. They cannot let him do that because it just means that you're basically going to have this recurring amber control turnover, turnover, turn. Where it gets really gross is if you have some kind of uh, upgrades that you can throw on Anti-Tony so that you can be generating amber while you do this. Or if Anti-Tony himself has an enhancement on him. I've uh, The deck that I've got this in has uh, uh, an amber pip on Anti-Tony. So literally in a turn... Uh, you can get an Amber, sometimes even two if he's been out on the board, and you can reap with him before you do it, plus capture all your opponent's Amber. It, it can be extremely gross. Yeah, that is gross. Blake, what you got next for us? So next one is another combo with Essence Scale that uh, I actually just discovered uh, the day we were recording this, and that is using Essence Scale with Stirring Grave. So you can basically... So, sorry, let me back up here. Stirring Grave, for those who don't know, gives you an Amber Pip for playing this action, and it has a play effect that says Archive a Creature from your Discard Pile. Now, there's a lot of fantastic destroyed abilities that exist within uh, the Mass Mutation House Dece, as well as, um, of course, the classic Infernus playability mm. that exists. So, uh, in this instance, I happen to kill play my infernus kill it and then stir and grave it to put it back into my archive uh and it was just fantastic and I, and I just like the fact that you can use the essence scale to get rid of one of your things that have a destroyed ability for the most part or even a play and then uh just put it right back into your your archive and repeat with your essence scale next turn so i feel like things like um uh my favorite one i think beyond the obvious infernus play would be using imp specter because if you can const if you're bringing this back a bunch of times and you're purging cards from your opponent's hand, that just has a really high level of disruption, which is uh, really neat. So yeah, I'm I'm just a big fan of essence scale and and continuing to explore all the ways that it can be used and abused to do some shenanigans. Mm, yeah, I, I I love the fact that they seeded in so many destroyed effects into dis and then put in cards that allow you to take better advantage of those destroyed effects. So it's not just throwing your creatures into things or waiting for your opponent to fight into them. It's literally you can use cards like one that I'm going to be talking about in a little bit, as well as the uh, essence scale in order to trigger those destroyed effects, plus get additional playability out of it. It's very gross. 
Rick, what you got for us? I will be talking a little bit more about this coming up, but just to whet your appetite, I've got as a combo Grim Reminder and any sins that you have in your discs. Grim Reminder is play, choose a house, archive each creature of that house from your discard pile. Gain one chain. If you got a, if you have a lot of sins, archive them next turn, play them. That's a lot of disruption. That's a lot of destruction. That's a lot of things bad to your opponent. So I love playing that combo. Okay, right, that's fantastic. I mean, you want all, as many sins out as possible, and you can essentially start playing them early with that with no fear because you know when your Grim Reminder comes, you're going to get to recur them again and just put them all as a suite together. So that is a really nice little uh, combination there. Yes, it man. Is. And at a reminder, like a little, a little, we usually wait to the end of the show to talk about this, but a help from future self to all of our listeners out there, purge those sins. If you have the ability to get them out of a discard pile, get them out of that discard pile because you don't want them coming back round again. Alex, what do you got for us for your, uh, your next combo? Um, talking a little bit about some of that untamed burstiness, let's talk a little bit about what happens when you get Mercy, Malkin Queen, and Lumalu in the same deck. They're very complimentary. Here's the deal with Mercy, Malkin Queen. Three power creature, untamed. Mercy is a human witch with skirmish, which is important to this combo. After a friendly creature, cat creature enters play, ward it. So there's all kinds of creatures. You've got Floomph, you've got Lumilu, uh, you've got uh, Unoya is also a cat. Uh, they're all uh, beneficiaries of uh, Mercy's power. But here's the combo part. She has a fight effect, which is ready a friendly beast creature. Now, that's great if you've got Lumilu, who is a beast cat with a reap power of gain one for each other friendly beast creature. So theoretically, the way this combo works is that you've got Mercy out, your turn rolls over, the beginning of your turn, you drop Lumalu, who comes out, uh, gets a ward on her immediately, you use Mercy for a fight, which she can do without dying because of Skirmish, hopefully, if no, there's nothing to stop the fight from happening on the other side of the board, which allows you to immediately ready Lumalu and then uh, do her reap power, which can be at least for one amber and up to as many beast creatures as you have on your battle line, which knowing untamed could be a whole lot of them. So it's instant burst ability, plus the fact that if they stay out for an additional turn, you can reap with Lumalu twice using that combo. So it's just absolutely sick. You can create some extremely big amber bursts. And as we know, in Mass Mutation, there aren't as many ways to punish that kind of big burst as there was way back in the day when we were all looking out for too much to protect in our opponent's decks. So yeah, I, I've gotten some very large, like 16 amber bursts out of this, which is the kind of thing you just don't see out of Coda most of the time. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, I always, I mean, it's so rare, like what you're saying about having that strong amber control for big bursts that you almost forget about bring low because you see it so infrequently because I think it's just uncommon. So it's 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 like you don't even think to look for it because before with TMTP you you were always looking for it like you saw shadows like okay do they have too much protect do I have to be wary of this so it's it's very interesting indeed Blake give us your last combo buddy so my last combo is coming from the house that is close to my heart of course I'm referring to Star Alliance and that's the use of Armory Officer Nell who for those who don't know says after an upgrade enters play draw a card. And you have Nell out with uh, Commander Drixgar, who 
has the ability is after an upgrade is attached to Commander Drixgar or one of its neighbors, gain one. So that fact that you're gaining an ember and drawing a card for each one you play, I just love it. So not only are you advancing forward but with uh, getting closer to a key, but you are at the same time getting yourself in position to cycle your deck faster. And if you're going to get really crazy here, you could have things like Z-Force Agent or a Hayden Oswin as the creature that's beside or even uh, an away team so that those upgrades are not only being saved on away team, they're going to be recurred again, further abusing Officer Nell and Drixgar. So I just find those two together are really neat. I don't happen to have any decks with it, but it's something that I would really like to see in my arsenal at some point. That's one of the other cool things is noting combos and then you're on the lookout for them. So when you crack a new pack going, oh man, that's really cool. I like that stuff. Mm -hmm. Rick, what's your last combo for us? This one is a double house combo. It takes two houses, Untamed and Dis. Fandangle plus Envy plus Gluttony. If Fandangle's on the field, your non-Untamed comes in ready. And Envy reads, Elusive, three power, reap. If there are two or more friendly sin creatures, capture all your opponent's amber. Gluttony reads, six power, no amber, or no armor. Play Exalt Gluttony once for each friendly sin creature. Reap, move each amber from friendly creatures to your pool. Disgusting. So you can basically, your opponent can be on check. You can bring them down to zero and put yourself on check. That's pretty cool. Goodness gracious. I haven't been able to pull that off, but oh boy, do I want to. That's the other fun thing is sometimes a combo exists in a way where you're like, it's cool if I pull it off, but I don't need to work towards it. It's a, if it happens naturally combo, which I think Mm. is oftentimes a thing that like, that's, that's another lesson that I sometimes have to keep in mind is sometimes don't try super hard to force the combo. Um, very few combos are worth chaining yourself for multiple turns to try and pull off. Like you've got one half of it and you're waiting for the other half to happen so that you can pull it off. More often than not, it's play play what you have in your hand and if the combo happens, great. Yeah, that's super cool. I used to make that mistake all the time because I would go for the combo. Well, it's because combos are exciting and the first time you discover yeah. one, you want to do it, especially too if it's like a theoretical one that you just notice for the first time when you're yep. examining a deck. Like it's so... Uh, I guess what's the word like uh, it's 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 the idea of doing it becomes so appealing that suddenly your better judgment can get affected by it. But with that yeah. said, my last combo is one. Um, and I think this actually gives an older card that brought, brought back in this set a lot more value. Let's look at Truburu with Ritual of Tognath. So back in the day, Truburu was a Coda dis rare Still a rare here in Mass Mutation. It is a seven-power demon creature in Dis, and of course, it has the legendary is this good or is this bad ability of you must lose three amber in order to play True Baru, meaning if you don't have three amber, you can't play it. You literally cannot put it on the table, so you have to spend the three amber to get it out. It's got Taunt, which is cool for a seven-power creature, and then Destroyed gain five amber. So... The whole deal with this back in the day was you had to be super afraid of your opponent bouncing it back to your hand and you never getting to see the five amber out of the three, which in a lot of cases, if your opponent even has one bounce card, not worth it to put Truburu out because if they get it off, then your potential of gaining two amber is completely lost and you've spent three amber. So it's a big five amber swing. 
absolutely not worth it. But what Ritual of Tognath does here in our good friends in uh, House Dis is Ritual of Tognath is a three amber pip card play, destroy two friendly creatures. So you spend three amber, drop True Baru, then drop Ritual of Tognath, gain five amber plus the three from Ritual of Tognath for eight amber total. Disgusting. It is a simple yeah, like combo, it. but it is one that immediately, immediately means that you will never have to worry about True Baru's drawback if you get it to go off. The other sneaky thing you can do with this is that you, if you play Ritual of Tognath and maybe you've got two like low-value creatures or no creatures on the board, it gives you the three amber that you can spend to drop True Baru. So, you know, I mean, that's a question of whether or not you want to take that risk depending on what kind of bounce is out there, but it's also another way to rock this combo, which I think is kind of interesting about it. Also, the fact that Ritual of Tognath has got the destroy two friendly creatures, which is exactly what we were talking about earlier, Blake, with Essence Scale, getting the value out of destroying your own disc creatures in ways that basically give you steals or other effects, which I think is super cool. Yeah, they, they have a very symbiotic relationship, Tognath and uh, the True Brew. It's very, very cool. I like that. I didn't even think of it to the full extent that you've now uh, mentioned, so I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that, that seems like a very, very fun combo to pull off. I don't think I have it, but I'm definitely going to look now. Yeah, True Brew is a rare... Uh, and Ritual of Tognath is also a rare, so it's a pretty, like, not common thing. But it is, like, a gross amount of amber if you can make it happen. Get them keys! Think, Get them keys! I think I have one of each, but I don't know if they're in the same deck. Yeah. Um, really fun talking about combos. I'm sure we're going to discover more. We might even be able to do this again as we discover more stuff as the set goes on. But, of course, we can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the title segment, or the titular segment, Help from future self. I've got one for us this week, gentlemen. Um, this is a lesson that I had to learn the hard way several times over and over and over. Um, if your opponent has borrow in their deck, you have to think very, very hard about whether or not you want to put good artifacts out. Because them getting to use their borrow is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It is very rare that you have a game that is so fast that your opponent won't get most of the way or all of the way through their deck, which means that eventually they're going to get to the card that lets them steal straight up one of your artifacts. So if you've got library card out, you have to worry about them stealing a library card and using it. If you've got a dark amber vault, God forbid, you have to worry about them stealing that. Any of the high-value artifacts that could be easily used against you, you definitely have to worry about getting borrowed against you. So think hard about whether or not that borrow has happened yet. Look at your opponent's discard. See if they've played their borrow before you play a high-value artifact because it'd be a game-winner or a game-changer. I'm starting to try and think about borrow in terms of not if but when, and that has really helped me make some of those hard decisions. I like it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I've, I've been burned by that too. Actually, just the other day, I had I just randomly picked a deck that had Burrow in it. My my opponent got first turn play. They played Auto Encoder. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going Shadows next turn, and I borrowed it. That was so fun. There are lots of fun things you can do with a Burrow. A transporter platform in Burrow is disgusting, especially Bonithing transporter platform Burrow as a combo. Oh, repulsive. Mm. Multiple steals, turn over turn. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on The Crucible, on Discord, on Twitter, on Instagram. Where can they find you, Rick? 
you can find me on the crucible at richter 78 on twitter at the wheeling key forger and blake where can they find you and what's going on with uh, your streams these days Oh, you can find me on Twitter is the best place if you want to just chat. Uh, on my YouTube, Boulevard Paper Fight for everything, uh, except for my stream, which is uh, Boulevard Blake. And I'm rocking every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. I'm just jamming basically my Would You Rather decks. I have a new deep dive deck that is going on the prowl this week. The video for that should be coming out in a day or two from when you hear this. But I've already started the testing for it. And I'm super excited. I really enjoy doing these deep dives. Top notch. We will be back at you next week with more discussion about everybody's favorite unique deck card game. Until then, Archons, we love you. Thank you for listening and stay fortunate.